Unipify podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Unipify's podcast. Today we are talking about ocean health and how to finance a sustainable blue economy. So as most of our listeners probably already know, ocean health is crucial in regulating the global climate and mitigating the impacts of climate change, which is why we need big investors and small startups to walk the talk and lead the way towards a sustainable blue economy. On this topic today, we are talking with Dorothy Hare, working for Oceans and Climate Change at IUCN, and Dennis Rich, working for the Sustainable Blue Economy at Unipify. Welcome, Dorothy and Dennis. Um, both of you work um, on important initiatives and projects supporting ocean health, and both of you also work with financial institutions. Um, so before we dive into the details, details of your work, can you please tell us more about how ocean health and the economy are linked and why is ocean health important for financial institutions? Maybe Dorothy, can you go Can you go first? Great, thank you very much. Hi, Laura. Hi, Dennis. Good to be here. Yeah, the ocean, as you already said, it's intrinsically linked with the climate, biodiversity, sustainable development. It's all really one planet and we need a healthy ocean for trading, for providing goods and services. None the least on our coastlines, we have the mangroves, the coral reefs that provide enormous amount of services and benefits and also the global ocean. So there is no way around not taking care of them. We need the ocean. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, this is so true. Dennis, what do you think? Uh, very well said, Dorothy. Um, hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. Um, I think to add to that, in terms of uh, economic links, I think all these services, the ecosystem services and, and the goods that we take from the ocean, um, they have a value and um, some estimates even um, set it as around 2.5 trillion US dollars per year in terms of economic output of ocean assets, which would make it around the world's seventh largest economy in GDP terms. And, and that really includes um, activities um, carried out by major global industries that uh, depend on or impact on the ocean's health, like shipping, fisheries, um, and so forth. So um, that really most of the global economic output is in some way linked to the ocean and its health. Yeah, thank you both for these great insights, helping us understand how ocean health and the economy are linked. So now uh, diving into your work, um, as some of you may know, Unipify is the host of the Sustainable Blue Economy Finance Principle. Dennis, can you please tell us a bit more about what they are and how they aim to transform the way business is done? Sure, of course, happy to do that. Um, I think I might start with a bit of doom and gloom in the beginning. I mean, as most of our listeners will know, um, that uh, the ocean really is in a dire state. Um, anyone who's read the second UN World Ocean Assessment or the recent IPCC reports knows that human activities have really uh, already severely altered almost two thirds of the marine environment, which leads to a triple crisis of climate change, biodiversity, nature loss, as well as pollution and waste. And all these things are, of course, quite serious threats to nature and societies, but um, they also lead to economic losses uh, when that's often not considered. And um, in the case of the ocean, of course, these three themes, these three crises are uh, highly interconnected. And um, really what, what this uh, urgent situation um, of um, 
yeah, threats to the ocean environment and the wild society have um, has told us is that you know um, we need to tackle the root causes of these issues and uh, financial institutions and uh, corporates firms uh, that work within these sectors are some of the le leading causes of of this destruction and um, financiers, investors, insurers, uh, banks provide the financing and the insurance that these um, activities need to go ahead um, in a business as usual scenario. Um, however, we do know now that a business as usual scenario is um, really not viable anymore and things need to change. And this is really where um, the topic or the, the concept of a blue economy, of a sustainable blue economy comes in. Um, and the leverage that financial institutions have really takes center stage. Um, so the blue economy really acts as a vision for any ocean-linked sector, highlighting that sustainability can't be separate from economic activities and growth, but is a condition for both. And um, the sustainable blue economy finance principles that you just mentioned that are hosted at UNFFI are really a first step uh, in trying to work together with financial institutions to align financial activities and flows with SDG 14, life below water and, and ocean health. So they're really there as a, a high level framework for financial institutions to, um, to implement when they think about investing, when they think about lending, when they think about underwriting activities. And that really is um, to answer your last question around how to overcome business as usual, which is crucial. Um, this is the first step in in changing and transforming the way that business is done um, in a marine context. I might leave it at that. I know um, we have other people on the podcast, so um, Dorothy, maybe over to you if you have anything to add to that. <laughs> no, great. This is yeah. This is the conversation we we want to have. So let's let's continue. Yeah, no, for sure, it's uh, it's so important also to involve financial institutions in, in this in this in this crisis. And and Dorothy, IUCN, you're running a more bottom up approach, right, and helping project um, developers become bankable while having a positive impact on local communities, the environment, and climate. So, can you please uh, first clarify for us what exactly do you mean by bankable, and then concretely, how do you do that? Yeah, thanks a lot. This is indeed uh, a lot of my day-to-day -day work at the moment. And with Bankable, we mean that they are actually conservation projects that provide a return. So if someone gives you money, they want it back, you have to provide some sort of income revenue generating activities so you can pay back someone at the end of a certain project lifetime. And I think similarly then Dennis sort of, you know, why bank of a project uh, for IUCN and for nature-based solutions? So actually the active conservation restoration of ecosystems. Why are we suddenly talking about bringing in the private sector and private sector finance? Because I think we all know that uh, the philanthropic, the government support isn't enough to overcome these crises that Dennis just mentioned in the beginning, whether it is ocean health, whether it's climate, whether it's the biodiversity crisis. So we need to look at this variety of funding and financing sources across the different actors. And here, I think, um, to some degree, it's becoming a bit more difficult when we talk about nature, nature-based solutions, 
in terms of measuring the um, the values, measuring the sort of the um, yeah economic impact they can have. And with a small sort of grants program that we call the Blue Natural Capital Financing Facility, we're actually trying to identify some of the social enterprises, the startups, but also um, non-governmental organizations, NGOs that do want to tap into these new financial sources and try to overcome some of these early investment hurdles. Because again, these projects um, aren't done as easy as we all would like them to see. However, we have really um, good good people, good projects out there that need a bit of an additional kickstart, if you like. And that's where we come in to, to fund various activities from feasibility studies, from legal assessment, or even some smaller CapEx expenditures. This is really interesting. Thank you. Thank you, Dorothy. Um, maybe could you give us a concrete example of the kind of projects that you're supporting? It's a variety of, um, of uh, activities. Some are more related to the seaweed agriculture sector, so that's a growing industry at the moment. So how can we ensure there is active conservation or restoration of ecosystem linked to it? We have project around the tourism sector, which of course had a bit of a hit lately, but how can we actually use this moving forward into a more greener or bluer um, ecotourism activities that focuses on coral restoration, conservation, as well as mangrove and other ecosystem services. Um, carbon remains a very um, sort of integral uh, project component of some of them. How can we leverage the carbon markets for generating additional revenue streams into the projects? So they, they sort of come together um, depending on, on the location. Also plastic, how do we work with um, recycling, fishnets, for example, etc. But for us as IUCN and with the nature-based solution standard that we currently have, we really want to work uh, with those projects that actively conserve or and or restore um, ecosystems. So I think that is an incre uh, increasingly important um, topic. It's high in demand from various actors, including the financial institutions. So we want to show how can this actually be done. And we sort of trying to do that, as you said, a bit from a, from a bottom-up approach, working with some of the project developers on the ground across the world. Thank you. Yeah, it always helps to have these concrete examples. So very interesting. Thank you. Um, and so this is actually a question for both of you, but are these projects that Dorothy just mentioned of interest for the companies and investors that the sustainable blue economy finance principles speak to? Maybe Dennis, you work closely with them. Can you, can you give, give us your thought on this? Of course. Yeah, I'm more than happy. And actually, let me start by saying that um, the work that Dorothy and, and her team are doing and, and also others in this space really on the ground, um, figuring out how these projects work and can work um, is hugely valuable to the work that we're doing at UNFFI because, um, as you know, the, the blue economy is a topic and, and oceans in a finance context is not necessarily something that um, has been around for a long time. I mean, of course, maritime finance has been around for a long, for a long time, but um, looking at ocean-linked sectors in a holistic sense, um, looking at the interdependencies and linkages between sectors um, is, is relatively new and especially putting sustainability front and center is, is relatively new. And um, there isn't, there's a lot of interest in this topic out there from financial institutions and others. 
um, but not necessarily a lot of expertise. So really what we're trying to do is um, set up standards and guidelines on the one hand, but also, as Dorothy says, uh, to to try and share practical examples and build a track record of projects that were successful and others peers have already done in the real world. That That is always um, really important for financial institutions to see because it does lower their the risk of getting involved in such in such activities. So um, in short, to answer your question, yes, um, these type of projects uh, are definitely uh, crucial, I think, to what we're doing, uh, especially also on the conservation side. We, we're all uh, aiming for 30% of the ocean protected by 2030, um, but that um, conversely also leads 70% of the ocean open for use in theory and we do want to make sure that this use is sustainable um and and um i think what our work and dorothy's work are doing is really um laying the groundwork for how how a sustainable use can look like and how a use can take into account nature and nature-based solutions instead of gray solutions um so um I might highlight at this point as well some of the work that we've been doing over the last year that is specifically looking at giving guidance to financial institutions. It's a bit more at a higher level than the, the practical work that, that Dorothy and her team are doing. Um, it's a bit more kind of framework-like, um, and it covers um, several different sectors of the blue economy. So we actually have been working with uh, our members who are um, banks, insurers, investors, but also NGOs like uh, IUCN and others um, on market-first guidelines for financial institutions. So really what that means is that we had a look at five different sectors of the blue economy, namely seafood, um, shipping, ports, uh, coastal tourism, and renewable energy creation from the ocean and really we, we were diving quite deep into the matter to look at what environmental and social impacts these sectors have and how these impacts crucially for financial institutions translate into risks and materiality concerns for the bottom line so why should financial institutions really care about these things um, one of the examples i'd like to highlight here is um, for example the seafood sector um, currently, it's uh, really damaging the very assets on which it depends um, in a business-as-usual approach. And a sustainable approach could really provide an economic opportunity. For example, the World Bank estimates that sustainably managed seafood and fisheries would result in an additional 83 billion US dollars a year for the whole seafood sector. So that really is a, a big argument for um, following blue finance practices. Um, rather than taking the business as usual approach. So it really is not only an environmental challenge, it's also an, an economic opportunity. And we're trying to um, work together with financial institutions to establish to establish the, the way of how to do that. Yes, for sure. Um, thank you very much for, you, for your answer, Dennis. And it's very interesting how, how both of you work uh, connect on this point. Um, do, would you like to add anything, Dorothy, on this? Yeah, 
maybe uh, a quick one. The so yeah, the, the project that, that we are actively supporting, and we're indeed not not the only ones out there, and they're also for these projects, we are one of the several um, financial mechanisms that are helping these projects along. They're still on the sort of smaller um, deal size, if you like. But when when I and the team that looked at the BNCFF when we started about three, four years ago, the the answer I always got is there's a lot of money, but there are no projects. And that's a bit what we are trying to address here to sort of fill this so-called project pipeline. And I think um, there the, the, the route that we are taking is really um, also working from a sort of more community-based level, engagement level, to bring those up to deal sizes that then ultimately become of interest also to other players. This is not to say that the smaller scale can and shouldn't continue, but I think um, as we move sort of from a conservation into this finance world, there are all these different um, instruments, mechanisms, blended finance, sort of bringing in the different um, government sort of support grant systems, if you like, technical assistance that can help leverage the bigger money that we ultimately want. I mean, that is sort of, you know, the, the as, as Dennis outlined, these are big numbers. There's a lot at stake with the health of the ocean. So we need to bring this to, to a much higher scale. But indeed, it's this question of how does it actually work? How can it be done? Who are the different stakeholders? How's the money flowing? Who's doing what? And I think for some in the conservation world, this is a sort of a completely new uh, sort of environment and trying to outline these a little bit. And, and we did a set of blueprints, for example, to sort of showcase, okay, here's, you know, here's the banker, here's the impact investor, here's the community, um, in a community uh, pool, etc. And it's, uh, it's just sort of one step at a time to bring also these two worlds together, because um, this is again, also not to say that all conservation has to be financed by by private sector finance by all means the governments shouldn't be let off the hook here but it's really to try and leverage this um, a bit more um, actively and faster because we're running out of time so we need to show how it's how it can be done yeah yeah no exactly in you're right this this role of bridging both uh, is indeed crucial um and, and now maybe moving to to the next next questions uh what do you think are the barriers you're seeing uh, on on this topic? Maybe maybe Dennis at Unipify. What what do you see uh, as, a, as a barrier to achieve the, these goals? I think um, that's a million dollar question. Uh, maybe even billion dollar question. Um, there are several that that we see. Uh, one of them definitely is um, lack of awareness. You of course have your your pioneers in in all of these areas and. They might have already been working on, on these topics for, for a long time, but uh, really what we are, as Dorothy so nicely said, you know, we're running out of time and what we need to do to, to tackle these issues urgently is to bring this to the mainstream. So um, that really means changing the mindset of companies and investors and, and banks of, of what it means to do business and also to really make them realize why is why should they take these things into account when they go about their day-to-day -day activities. So I think it's a lot around um, you know changing the focus of interest, um, and then once you've done that, providing 
relatively straightforward solutions. And I think that's the second point that I would like to raise on the on the barriers question. And um, there are a lot of in this space. This is very exciting actually to see. There's a lot of innovation happening in the financial instruments. Um, you see coral reef insurance. You see um, you see credit debt swaps. You see you know blue bonds. It's all very fancy and new. And and this is really exciting. It brings a lot of attention to this to the to this field, which is great to see. However, the majority of these blue economy sectors that I mentioned earlier are actually financed by plain vanilla instruments like, uh, you know, project bonds or um, it, it's it's actually kind of the quote unquote boring instruments that need revising, so to speak. So this is really something that we're trying to do with the principles to make sure that um, a blue finance approach is taken not just for the specialist funds or um, your innovative um, reef insurance, but really throughout all your traditional plain vanilla instruments or activities that you're doing as a as a bank or as an insurer, as an investor, really want to make sure that this is, as I said earlier, front and center to to your activities. And that's when we start really to to move the needle on this. Mm-hmm. And I think what's lacking for that is really. Um, Track record, as I think I mentioned this earlier. Um, this is a very recent and, and emerging topic, so we do need um, we need examples. We need to share examples. We need to share case studies, experiences, peer-to-peer learning, and that's something that we are trying to also do with our uh, membership. Of course, uh, USCN is, is one of our members, and, and they have been taking part quite uh, very well in, in our previous working groups. So. Uh, getting a peer, peer-to-peer exchange going on these topics is, has been very valuable. Yeah. Thank you very much uh, for your answer, Dennis. And you're right, this shouldn't shouldn't stay a niche market, but it should really be in everyday business for, for the this big goal to be achieved. And and yeah, what I'm hearing for, from, from you too uh, is that the goals are really clear. But you just mentioned it earlier, Dorothy, it will take us some time to get there. Or, we're kind of running out of time. Um, what can we do to, or what can our listeners do to speed up the process? Well, I think in the, as, as you said, the, the barriers, but also the solutions are, are multiple. I think, you know, we as consumers, of course, drive a lot of the, the demand for some of the products that come from the ocean. So I think that on a day-to-day basis, you know, we, we can all be more uh, conscious and sustainable of what we buy, how we buy, etc. Um, I think in, in terms of us from, from the conservation world, I think um, trying to, to learn and speak to the other um, communities, the finance community, this doesn't mean that we need to say, um, you know, yes and accept everything that we have proposed. No, we need to ask critical questions and really sort of push um, sort of the counterparts to really also invest and take their risk themselves. Because yes, on one hand, a dear colleague of mine always says we need to become very boring. So it doesn't even raise any questions on the financial side. But I also do feel that uh, from from the finance sector, and we see that with, with various players, that they are willing to sort of step it up and, and sort of walk the talk as you started it so nicely. So I think that uh, there, there we see progress, but it is not yet 
um, the, the big ticket. It's not yet, um, you know, beyond uh, our smaller communities. But what I do find very um, encouraging is actually also what I've been at least personally involved is through some of the multilateral development banks as well, how they internally really try to bring this topic of sustainability and nature-based solutions into their day-to-day decision-making. And I think these are some of the movements um, that make me personally very um, sort of hopeful because it probably will still take more time than we all wish it would. But it's some of these um, processes internally that we start to see changing. We see banks like BNP Paribas, Deutsche Bank, they're all coming forward of really trying to to, um, take good measures. So now it's up to them to prove us that they do walk the talk. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. And and this is my last question to you both. Um, So if you had one wish uh, on what you would like to see happen next, uh, what would it be? Or what can our listeners do to help? Um, Dennis, would you, get, would you like to go first? Yes, happy to. And I think I, I might tie my my one wish into what Dorothy just said. I think um, maybe I maybe I extended to two wishes, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> one for the okay. wider one for the wider group um, or wider society. I mean, I think collaboration um, between you know NGOs, conservationists, uh, scientists, and the financial sector, as well as governments, is really crucial. Um, we can learn from all of these different stakeholder groups uh, a lot, and um, we should do so because time is tight and and it's really urgent that we that we reach these goals and manage to to have a sustainable approach to ocean assets, as we like to call them. So um, definitely do get involved in cross-disciplinary initiatives and projects. It's uh, definitely worthwhile um, to share experiences. And specifically um, to financial institutions, I would say um, realize that um, you have the power and you can act as enablers of change by using your expertise and finding opportunities and also understanding of risks. So you are actually, as financial professionals, uh, you know, you have a sit at a very great leverage point. And um, I think realize that we have a symbiotic relationship with the ocean. So to solve the climate, biodiversity, and pollution crisis, a healthy and prosperous ocean really is our main ally. And maybe linking it to climate will speed things up. Um, and, and therefore, I really encourage anyone in the audience today to really start evaluating their organization's impact on the marine environment and try to take steps to minimize the negative impact and um, also try to um, you know, seek out opportunities on the positive end of the spectrum. So you can really show leadership. And of course, if um, you'd like to learn more about our community of practice on this topic, we'd be very happy to hear from you. Yeah, thank you very much, Dennis. And did we need every financial institution in, in, in this in this with us. Um, Dorothy, uh, would you like to, to share um, your one wish for, for the end? One wish, yes. Um... Well, echo what what Dennis already said, I think the the partnerships are crucial, but I also wish to to have, um, well, maybe it's not a wish, but maybe more thank you to those um, startup developers, social enterprises that are out there and actually already took some 
a risk of, of their own of trying to make things happen. And some of them we are fortunate enough to work closely with to support them directly. But I do also really um, hope that we, we have more of them out there and that they get the right support, that they have the backing to, to explore some of this. Because yes, mistakes will also be made. But I think uh, we, we have here new, um, a new generation that really wants to work uh, through these problems, find solutions for nature and people. And that is my wish that we see more of them and that we have more the means also in organizations like ours to, to support them and, and bring them together with other partners they might not be aware of just yet. Great. Um, I hope this leaves our listeners inspired and motivated to take part in, in leading a sustainable blue economy. Uh, really do not hesitate to visit our websites uh, or get in touch with us to learn more. And a big, big thank you to you both, Dorothy and Dennis, for joining this Cinepify podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us.